So how does the pain of our past affect our present? How does the injustice that occurs to our family internalize and affect our thinking today? All this and more on this episode of the Remarkable People Podcast. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. Remarkable People Podcast. Listen, do, repeat for life. Hello, friends. Welcome to this week's podcast. Today's guest has little in years on this earth, but a massive amount of experience, illustrations, stories, and practical life that she can not only connect with us, but we can glean from her pain and her successes so we can grow, heal, and become better people. This young lady was abandoned by her father at a young age. She struggled with socioeconomic things, basically growing up poor. She was a Haitian American down in Miami. And her mother was an attorney. And as you're going to hear, her mother was done wrong. And then that left a lot of insecurities in her, a lot of anger, a lot of mistrust. And you're going to see in her story how that built into not only physical illness, but also mental illness as well. But the great news is she figured out how to deal with it and treat it without relying on big pharma. And she's not only doing this for herself and helping others, but she actually launched her own website and product line that we can benefit from as well. So this is a packed story. She's an author. She's a singer. She's a writer. She's worked in Hollywood um, for major motion pictures, TV shows, Netflix movies. This young lady's done a lot. And as you're going to see, today's guest is going to be very open and transparent. And her story is going to help you and I go from the walking dead to the living. So I'm David Pasqualone. This is the Remarkable People Podcast. And welcome to the Angelica Marie story. Hey, Angelica Marie, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's a Friday. I'm, I'm ready to enjoy the weekend. How about you? <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. Our listeners don't realize it yet, but we're recording this on Independence Day weekend. And I don't know about you, but after Easter, Independence Day is like my favorite holiday. So I'm stoked for this weekend. Do you feel the same way or what's your favorite holidays in the year? Favorite holiday would probably have to be New Year's because I am Haitian. So we have a tradition where we make New Year's soup. So I always look forward to my mother's food and it's just, it brings me home. I love food. I love soup. So great time. Oh, that's awesome. Now, and anytime family and traditions involved just makes it that much better, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I told our audience just a little bit about you in the introduction. So they're ready for this episode. So if you don't mind, we're just going to jump in 
and let them meet you. So how the podcast works is we go through past, present, and future of our guests. We're going to cover the highs, the lows, everything in between, the good, the bad, the ugly, the pretty ugly. Okay. So the goal is just to share your story. I'll ask you questions along the way. And all of us as a community can grow together. And then at the end, we'll transition into where's Angelica Marie today and where are you going? So now we as the audience can help you get there. So at this time, you mentioned you were from Haiti. So what was your upbringing like? Did you have brothers, sisters, mother and father in the home? What, what was your childhood like that helped form you into the woman you are today? Well, yeah, I was born and raised in Miami, Florida as a first generation Haitian and Nigerian kid. My mom nice. came from Haiti and my dad from Nigeria. And I grew up pretty much as a single child and my mom was a single mother. So it was very much always me and her. And I really had to learn how to grow up pretty early. There was a lot of moving around in my childhood from different schools in Miami to going to New York. I went to a total of seven different schools before I got to college. So I was a very introverted kid, very much kept to myself. But the only constant in my life was performing in the arts. And I really saw that as a way to tell my story because I didn't have a lot of people to tell it to at that time. But I think the most formative thing about my childhood, you know, especially being raised by a single mother and in truly not an economically stable environment, it really put me in survival mode pretty young. And, you know, I'm sure like a lot of your listeners can, can relate to that too. And that's really translated into who I am today. You know, I worked hard, got great grades, you know, AP classes all the time, just really trying to get together to go to my dream school, which was the University of Southern California in Los Angeles. I was able to do business and cinematic arts, but not a degree in the arts, which that's a little tidbit that'll pay off later in my story. But I, I got that degree. I was able to work at you know, some of the biggest entertainment companies ever, Sony, Netflix. I never thought I would be able to have that, that opportunity. But once I graduated college and I was on this successful path, this was 2019 when I graduated, I noticed a huge shift in my mental health and in my mental well-being. And in November of that year, I discovered a benign breast tumor and fibroadenoma. Of course, I didn't know it was benign at the time. There is some cancer in my family. So this discovery made me truly look inside myself for the first time ever in terms of I was always focused on success and outward achievement and survival. And, you know, this physical and mental, you know, crisis that I was facing really made me reorient my life. It got me to the stage where I left the entertainment industry and I started my own health and wellness company. Well, inspired by the herbs and oils that my mother raised me off of and that have been used in the family for generations for, you know, physical, mental, spiritual healing. 
I launched that company in 2020. I was super enthusiastic, super positive. It was going to be like, this is the best thing. There's no one in the health and wellness space really focused on creating community and helping people learn how to use the products, not only physically, but like how they're feeling mentally, how you're feeling spiritually that affects your health. But obviously the inevitable trials of entrepreneurship really, you know, knocked me onto size and I fell into a three month long depressive episode. I learned that I was attaching a lot of my self-worth to outward success and I was really drowning in fear and, you know, discovered my bipolar two diagnosis through this whole tumultuous phase. And this was late. Oh, this is actually 2021 when I was going through this and, and going through those growing pains after launching my business until now where I have realized that a lot of my mental, you know, tumults and I think the, the waves of mental, I think struggles that we all go through, I was experiencing that because I was denying a big part of myself and, you know, realizing that I wasn't fully happy and fulfilled because I neglected my artistic side. So now going into the stage of my life where I am both honoring my creativity and, you know, my work through my business, through my club, and really bringing them together to show people that you can have a, a balanced and fulfilled life builds on a foundation of true self-care, which I think is, you know, physical care, mental care, and spiritual care, just living in your purpose. So that's, that's, the, that's the overview of my story, David. Nice. Now, let me ask you a couple of questions. So did you have any brothers or sister? Or was it just you and your mom? I have three older half brothers, but they're much older than me. The youngest is about 10 years older than me. So I pretty much grew up in the house alone and pretty much lived with my mother alone. So your mom and dad were already together and then like they were together for a long time and then they got separated, divorced when you were a child. I know they split when I was two years old. Okay. Yeah. So you didn't so, really grow up with a dad too much. No, like he, he was based in Los Angeles or not Los Angeles, Miami. And I was born and raised in Miami until I was 10. So he really wasn't that present in my life. You know, for most of my life until actually a month ago, I was very much holding resentment and anger towards him, but actually now fixing that relationship, which I'm very happy about. But yeah. Nice. Now, growing up, did you feel like, man, I wish my dad was around? There's an absent from my dad. What, what was your thoughts on your father growing up? I think it was more of kind of a bitter acceptance of that's the way things would be. And thankfully, I had a family friend who was a family or a father figure to me. So there wasn't like a complete absence of that in my life. But I think it really manifested itself in subtle ways. Again, you know, again, this is a lot of like attachment issues, anxiety issues about like relationships and how your relationship with your parents manifests in your, you know, romantic and interpersonal relationships that I really had to recognize and face and begin to heal if I wanted to live a healthy, balanced life. 
Oh yeah. And I'm sure like us all, we're all still growing and learning every day. And that's why we go back to the childhood because there's so many things that happen in our childhood and they're not, we can't make excuses, but that clearly is the cause of what we're dealing with and what we need to overcome. So, you know, anybody, I didn't grow up with my father, like kind of like you, it's weird around 20 years old. It's like, why do we have this need to go find him? Right. But when you spoke with your father, did you guys have a pleasant experience? Was it negative? Did you feel like you had healing? Is it still like, let's see what happens? Where are you at with that relationship? It was surprisingly pleasant. Like I was super, super scared to, to do it. I called them because I was in this emotional intelligence training. And towards the end of the training, they push us to call three people that we have unresolved relationships with or, you know, unhealed relationships with. So I called him and I haven't talked to him for over a year. And even before that is very strained and superficial conversation. But I called, it went better than expected. And yeah, it was just, it, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. We won't be skipping down the street, but things are, things are moving along. Yeah, no, good. It's a starting point and it's moving forward. And then you mentioned bipolar too. Talk to our audiences because during the 70s and 80s, they called a lot of people struggling manic, manic depression. Mm-hmm. Then during the 90s and 2000s, they said it's bipolar. And now recently with the news and pharmaceuticals, they're like bipolar one, bipolar two, bipolar three. Explain what bipolar is and what bipolar two is. Mm-hmm. So bipolar is a mood disorder where you can experience periods of mania. So that's a very hyper elevated mood. It leads to very irrational decisions, delusions of grandeur. And then you have depressive episodes, feelings of hopelessness. It can be like suicidal ideations, increased lethargy. Bipolar two, you still have those depressive episodes, but instead of mania, you have hypomania. So hypomania doesn't put you in as much of a physical risk in terms of really risky behavior or dangerous behavior, but you are hyper-energized to do things and and focus on things and spend money and launch projects. So I realized that I had bipolar too, because even the launching of my business was in a hypomanic state, really triggered by, again, the trauma that I experienced of having, you know, these breast tumors, no one around to really support me. I was living alone in Los Angeles at the time. And I launched this business and was super focused on it. And again, when people see all that I've done with the business, the website, the products, everything I've built by myself, they are stunned that I was able to do it. And I realized that I was able to do it because I was fueled by my hypomania. So that's, that's basically what bipolar and bipolar two is. Yeah. And I had a guest, George Hoffman, who had bipolar depression, manic depressive, and he's been able to maintain it for 30 years without an episode because he does biblical based meditation and he's found ways 
to help himself. And now he has a lifelong mission to help others. What have you found that's helped you along the way to stabilize? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, truly coming out of my episode is when I that is how I developed my system and framework that I use through my company. It's called self-care success. I think when people think about self-care, they think about the really superficial aspects of it, but it's truly a daily practice that builds a foundation of stability for your life, which I need more than anyone. So it was really that physical care for me. So using herbal support, I tried traditional medications for my bipolar two. For me, it didn't work. So I had to rely on herbs that have antidepressive properties and mood stabilizing properties for me. And then daily healthy habits like meditation and yoga. I have to do that every single day. My mental care. So rewriting my story. I mentioned that, you know, I attached a lot of my self-worth to my success and that was really fear-based. So taking time to recognize that and then let that story for me go. So I can keep on facing, you know, the inevitable, you know, failures. And I'm, I'm using quotes right now, but it's only, <laughs> we do it's video only. and audio. So yeah. thank you for pointing that out for the podcast only <laughs> listeners. Yes. Yeah. Failure is only failure if you don't learn from it. And then my spiritual care. And this is the most important for me because Spiritual care is just being connected to your purpose and your gifts and taking the time every day to hone them and share them with other people, share them with the world. And that's just my, my creativity as well as my message. So I learned that if I don't feed and support these pillars and reinforce, reinforce these pillars every day, that's how I fall into these episodes and become mentally unstable. Now, I, so many questions and we are covering so much in your life. So thank you. I just know that so many people are struggling with these issues specifically and similar issues and COVID really exacerbated and brought to the surface for many people, the reality but for people who kind of saw it and it was under control, it exacerbated mental illness. First off, go back to, let's kind of start through your life story into today. When you were growing up, like you mentioned, you'll get into a depressive slump. Mm -hmm. You were afraid to fail. What was it that you were running from? Were you trying to win love? Were you trying to win approval? Does it tie back to that absent father in your life? Or was there anything else that created this absence in your life that you were trying to run from and fill? Mm -hmm. For me, it was escape. It was all about escape. Because again, very like economically unstable environment just because of well, we, we go in depth into this podcast, so I, I can tell the full story there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't, there's no rush. Our listeners are used to long format, so share as you see fit. Yeah, so my mother, Haitian immigrant, she practiced law and opened up her own law firm a few years out of law school in Miami, and she practiced civil rights. 
she used to take on cases representing the very, you know, the most vulnerable people in our society. And she took on a lot of huge corporations and law firms as she did these cases. And she garnered a huge name for herself. The case that she took when I was born was against the Sheraton Hotels in Miami, representing a group of Haitians who were unjustly fired and faced racial discrimination. She went up against an international law firm called Holland and Knight, and she was a solo practitioner. She just her, her practice, her paralegal. The, the battle went on for a few years, cost her hundreds of thousands of dollars out of her pocket, but she won. And this upset a lot of people because, you know, how dare this, <laughs> this immigrant woman beat us at our own game. And someone, a man from the law community asked to see her books because he didn't believe that she was handling the settlement for her, her clients properly. And this was the same man who rejected and turned away these Haitian litigants because he thought the case could not be won. Obviously she refused because it was extremely disrespectful for him to question her intelligence. And he went to the bar and filed a complaint with the bar saying that my mother stole the, the settlement funds, which is a federal crime. So mm -hmm. the bar launched this investigation against her and basically stripped her of her license and her only means to make money. So that's why we are in a very financially unstable environment and situation because her, her whole livelihood, what she built the American dream for, was taken away from her. So because I saw this and grew up in this, it really turned me into going into survival mode. And I, I realized I spent most of, my, most of my life up until now deeply unconscious and operating and trying to succeed from a place of, again, survival and fear instead of genuine desire to, to show myself and to change the world. So yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't very happy as a child. Again, moving around a lot. I was mo mostly focused on school and I had some like bursts of expression through musicals and plays, but emotionally, I was not really there. And again, it, it, it worked for me. I succeeded. I got into my dream school in USC. I got to experience a, a whole nother quality of life and experience of life that I had been dreaming of and obsessing over for years. But, and this happens a lot, when you get what you've been hoping for for a while, and it's, it's, it's not feeling like it should, you feel like something's still missing. Again, that's what I started to feel at the end of 2019 when I was working on a television show in a very hard to get job. That's when my, my condition really started surfacing for me. I believe it was, it was dormant for so long because that kind of hypomania of it, that just working was, you know, getting me to where I was at that point. But it, there's only so long you can run off of fear, you know, off of fight or flight. And so I was fighting my entire life 
and you know eventually it's like i have to fly i have to get out of here and then that's when my my cycle began now what about did you get officially diagnosed at some point did you have to in florida we call it baker acted like if somebody really goes manic or they really go depressive you know one degree or the other and they're considered not fit to they could harm themselves or others like did you have anything like that in your life or did you come to the conclusion i need help and seek help or did you be like whoa i'm gonna find just a local doctor how did you handle it once you started seeing the symptoms yeah i saw the symptoms i knew i needed help i remember i remember the exact day i called my mom and i was like you know and i don't like this term but you know i was like i think i'm going crazy and she was like you know go to a therapist go to a psychologist and a psychiatrist. And I did. And I told them my symptoms and they were like, yeah, this, this sounds like bipolar too. Um, so I guess unofficial diagnosis, it's never, I've never gone to the point where my, my livelihood is in jeopardy or I've put the, the lives of other people in jeopardy, but you know, mental illness runs in my family. So I just know that it's, it's likely that I have the condition. Oh yeah. And just so you know, I, uh, Angelica Maria, I'm not questioning you. I'm not trying to belittle or lift up what you're dealing with. What I'm trying to do is just create a baseline that the audience, people listening, like, wow, I got a lot of similarities. I want to, I'm just trying to make sure we fully understand this. And the difference between like you just mentioned psychiatrists, the big difference, you have counselors, you have psychologists, you have psychiatrists. Those are the big bins in different States and countries. And if you're listening, the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist is, well, there's a lot of philosophical differences, but the ability to prescribe medicine. So you went to see someone who could prescribe you medicine because you knew mental illness ran in your family and you were looking for help. Is that correct? Correct. And she prescribed me medicine that I was on for a while. And again, every person reacts differently, but I, I took it and I believed it worked for me, but I started to again, face external stressors and triggers, mainly that I just wasn't happy in my current line of work and job that eventually led me to then a rapid cycle. Rapid cycling is when you, it's horrible, but it's when you, within a short period of time, experience like extreme depression and hypomania or mania and you feel both invincible but extremely sad like within a 24-hour period you're you really have no control over your moods and it's very hard to ground yourself in reality took she prescribed me more meds it did absolutely nothing for me but eventually I took herbs to help stabilize me and it worked but I still had to do the work of recognizing what wasn't working in my life that was triggering me and make the necessary changes to be stable. Yes. And I am, I got to be careful how I say this because my personal experiences and beliefs line up with what you're describing, maybe not what you believe, but what you're describing. I personally believe that most of the pharmaceutical prescribed to people today make things worse, especially long-term, like sometimes short-term you get the band-aid, 
but a lot of the pharmaceuticals make things worse. And if I'm hearing you, you were saying you definitely got some relief at upfront, but then things started getting worse and mm-hmm. you went into these rapid cycles. And now you're trying to find a solution. So the psychiatrist is like writing you prescriptions like candy, none of them are working, but you went to a more herbal holistic approach and that's where you found stability and relief. Is that correct? 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I'll say it because I'll take the hate mail time after time. When I talk to people in my own life, you know, I've had three times in 45 years where I was, they're like, Hey man, make out your will. You're dying. And every time they prescribe me medicine to get me quote unquote better, there's those air quotes again. Right. It, it usually just made things worse. And even with psychological and emotional, you know, depressants, I I had to take medicine for pain, nerve damage, but it was an antidepressant and that stuff made me depressed. So that's why when I'm listening to your story, it does not surprise me at all that your healing and your comfort came from herbs. Now, everybody's different. Situations are different. Our body structure, our DNA is different, but what herbs and solutions did you take that started helping the stabilization and healing cycle? Mm-hmm. St. John's wort. St. John's wort is an antidepressive herb. There are clinical studies that shows that, you know, it can have the same efficacy as, you know, standard antidepressants. The only difference is the side effect of taking it is not becoming more depressed or, you know, having, having tics. My psychiatrist tried to prescribe me something and she was like, you might have, you might start having involuntary tics. If you do, I'll give you something for the tics. And I said, no, thank you. And that'll cause insomnia. Um, then we'll give you a drug for insomnia. Yeah, yeah, you're, like, you're paying 1200 bucks a month in, in co-pays. To, to pay for the pharmaceutical industry, right? It's ridiculous. But yeah, St. John's wort is like the, the center one. I take holy basil. That The nickname for holy basil is the queen of herbs. There's Wait, repeat that. Types. Say that again. Yeah, holy basil. And the nickname for holy basil is the queen of herbs. It's been used for centuries. Like a d- traditionally Indian herb. And there are three types. So that really helped with my mood stabilization. And again, all of these herbs and why, just to give context to it, a lot of our traditional pharmaceuticals are inspired from and taken from the genetic, genetic makeup of these herbs that have been around, you know, since before we existed but they are manipulated to be stronger. But this exact manipulation and mutations can affect our body in negative ways and have these side effects. So herbs, you know, because these natural structures are more aligned and in tune to our body, of course, every herb, it is medicine. It does have some side effects, but not nearly as disruptive to your overall, you know, physiological system as a lot of traditional medicines can be. All that to say, if you are taking traditional medicine and it's working for you, obviously keep taking it. I am not against the traditional medicinal system. Traditional medicine removed my tumors, but 
that's I'll just say that to say that. So holy basil, St. John's wort, I take clove, lavender. These are all herbs that my mother made tinctures for me by hand. So her love and care is in there and she gave them to me and they stabilized me. They say, yeah, and I want you to share freely whatever your opinions are. I'm going to share freely what my opinions are. And it sounds like they line up pretty closely, but I want our listeners to be able to form their own opinions and they're bombarded every day. I don't care what country you're from. If you're watching a television or looking at your phone, you are being filled with propaganda from the pharmaceutical companies, from the government. And like you said, just like knowledge, all truth comes from God all healing comes from these herbs and these spices and the pharmaceutical industry says, Hey, that works. So then they take it, they rip off a man-made copy and they replicate it and try to soup it up. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't work all the time because there's 50 things they don't know about that make everything work together. But I can't think of, you can overdose on anything, but I mean, just carrots, carrots are super healthy for you. But yeah, if you eat too many carrots in an excessive amount, the beta carotene turns you orange, right? But that's an excessive amount. I mean, you'd really have to try, but still, other than coloring your skin orange, you're not going to have a problem. With pharmaceuticals, they tell you 10 seconds on the commercial how great it is, and then they give you 50 seconds of all the side effects. So if you're listening, Angelica, Marie, and I, at least I'm going to say for me, if you need a medicine, take it but try to get off it where you're completely without it. So you're not dependent on these pharmaceutical companies, the government, the supply chain. Cause right now in America, especially we made a huge mistake to be 90% of our pharmaceuticals come from China, mm-hmm. communist China. And we have bad relations with them. If they shut off the supply chain, we're screwed in a lot of ways. Cause our society is so dependent on it. So whether it's the holy basil, the queen of herbs, the St. John's wort, the lavender, essential oils, check it out. And we're going to put links to Angelica Marie's website. And if you don't mind, Angelica Marie, I know there's probably for every St. John wort, am I wrong, that there's 50 manufacturers and different qualities of them. Maybe you can send us some links of ones you'd recommend, or maybe you sell them on your website of quality products that people can at least trust from you, your recommendation to say, hey, here's a good starting point. See if this helps your mood. And and you can kind of transition with doctor approval and care, you know, start taking St. John's Warren. If it's helping back off the pharmaceutical end. I mean, does that sound reasonable? Yeah, 100%. Always this is, you know, if you're new to using and working with herbal medicine, you know, it's, it's medicine. First and foremost, and I always encourage you to like keep your doctor abreast to what you're using. With Omekwa, I have an herbalist on staff who does an initial free consultation just to see where you're at, see what chronic issues that you're dealing with. And then we have a trusted manufacturer also out here in California that creates the herbs for you and sends it to you like a prescription. So it's very standardized, easy process. And we really want to make it, you know, just as streamlined for you as possible and give you the care and attention and explanation for things that you need and deserve. Because that's something that I was really missing when I was dealing with, you know, my tumor and 
not being told why this was happening to me, how, like what it was doing to my body, like aftercare, none of it was really explained to me. So, so yeah, that's, that's how we can help you with Omeklon and just getting, just getting used to herbs. And if you're tired of, you know, depend, being dependent on medicines that really focus on symptoms rather than preventative care and maintenance of your health, then I'd be honored to help you. Excellent. And well, again, we'll put links in the show notes um, and we'll have at the end of the show, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, the best way to. But what's your health like today? Have the, and I assume, would it be considered breast cancer? I know you said there were benign tumors. Are you cleared up? Are you still having ongoing issues? Where are you with that today? Mm-hmm. Thankfully, they're, they're cleared up. I'll have to get another checkup soon. But, you know, truly my health began with my, like, my menstrual health and cramps. I had debilitating, debilitating cramps. Like I could not function in college. And immediately I was prescribed and thrown birth control, like birth control, that'll help your pain, boom. But there are many side effects. And one of the side effects of taking hormonal birth control is the development of fibrodenomas, which I got. So once I found that out, I immediately stopped taking the birth control and found more holistic ways to address the pain that I was feeling and my menstrual health. And my pain has been reduced by 80% without using any like hormonal synthetic things in my body. Mentally, I'm stable and great. I haven't had an episode. The last like minor episode I had was uh, about six weeks ago. And that's before I accepted and recognized that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do fully. But now that I have, and I'm taking steps towards that, I feel stable. So I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm the best that I've been in a very long time. So I'm thankful for that. Amen. And if you're listening, you know, you can rewind and play these episodes over and over again. But what Angelica Marie just said, think and connect the dots. Pharmaceuticals mimic with major flaw nature. But if you can find the herbs and these supplements, the God-given source of these healings, you're going to be so much better off without the long-term side effects and consequences. Because like you were just talking about birth control, they prescribe that to teenage girls like candy, right? And they're like, oh, you got cramps, take birth control. It's all part of a bad philosophy. But that stuff can make you sterile. It causes tumors. It causes all sorts of problems that they say are rare, but it's really the norm in most cases. So if you have prescribed anything, look for a natural solution because it's better for your body. It's better for your mind. And you're not going to have these negative side effects. So with you struggling right now, or back then, Angelica Marie, COVID hits. You're starting a business, you're struggling, your health is an issue. How did COVID affect all of this? Mm-hmm. Well, the funny thing is, I started my business <coughs> after COVID because I saw and I knew that 
COVID was just exacerbating the underlying health issues that we have physically and mentally, you know, in this country around the world. So I wanted to start this company to really standardize and make easy the use of herbal medicine and in just a very communal aspect and way. Omekwa is Nigerian for God sent, nature's vessel. So, so that's why I started it. So COVID for me, it actually hasn't been something that knocked me off my course. It's something that pushed me towards where I am right now. And I really used it as a time of deep self-reflection. You know, I was on a TV show at the time, working 10 hours a day, very not, very deeply unconscious. And when I say unconscious, I mean, I am not connected to where I am in my everyday life. I don't feel that much attachment or joy towards the future. And I let outside circumstances easily sway me and move me. So I was unconscious. So yeah, that's that's my relationship, honestly, with, with the pandemic. It's just shifted me towards what I need to, to do. Now, when you were working on the set, were you on camera or off role? What was your role in these TV shows? I was a writer's assistant. So I was in the writer's room on the computer and I would... Like, no pressure, no pressure whatsoever, right? Oh man. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully I was in a nice room. Everyone was nice. You can be in rooms where people are horrible to you and very decent. I've heard, I've heard of those rooms, but thankfully everyone was lovely. But yeah, I was, I would just write down what the writers would pitch if they share jokes that they want on the screen, make sure that there's no typos in the script. And then I'd be able to go down to the stage where we'd film the show when we started filming it every week and, and just see the actors start doing what we wrote, hear reactions from the audience. And again, this was like a dream, what I thought was a dream experience for me. And at the time, again, I was still very unconscious and very disconnected. So it was a moment where I had to be honest with myself and say, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And you, you've said that, and I love how you're talking about the unconsciousness and people, you know, refer to our society as the walking dead, how we're alive, but we're not alive. I believe that it's like with learning, there's levels, you know, sometimes people think they know and like, they realize they don't know, but they don't care. And then they're like, oh, I don't know. And then, oh, I get it, but they don't. And they're like, oh, I get it. But then it's like, oh, I really get it. And now I can apply and master this concept. So with your journey of coming from the walking dead you know mm -hmm. you weren't conscious to full life where would you say you are if it was a scale of one to a hundred because it's a journey would you say you're at a hundred right now or are you still on the journey to it where, where are you at today i just got to 80 again nice yeah I, oh man i i have worked hard to get here even when I started my business, I was like at a, at a 40, maybe. Yeah. And, and I was, and I was doing, I was in a line of healing work. Right. And I was, I still had so much to do. I say I'm at an 80 right now because now I know what I'm supposed to do and I'm taking steps towards it, but I'm, I haven't fully been in it yet and actually practiced yet just because I'm in a transitionary stage. Um, and you'll have to go through those transitions when you realize like, 
okay, oh shit. So I was unconscious. What do I need to remove from my life so I can step into who I'm supposed to be? That's a period of time that you, that, you know, the work starts coming in. So that's where I'm at right now. So let's do this. Let's help our audience. There's people that don't even realize that they're the living dead. They, they don't realize they're just going through the motions. They think this is how life is. This is all life is. Talk to someone about, you know, like it was that old Jeff Fox, the old Jeff Fox where the, you might be a redneck if, so you might be unconscious if, what are some signs of unconsciousness in our society? Oh, I love this. You might be unconscious if you get easily annoyed and angered. You might be unconscious if you jump from relationship to relationship and meet the same struggles. You might be unconscious if you don't have any deep, meaningful relationships and you feel like most of your relationships are superficial. You might be unconscious if you do not feel purposeful every single morning when you get up. You might be unconscious if you aren't grateful for what you have. You might be unconscious if you don't have a desire to learn or develop your skills. Man, that was beautiful and off the cuff. Now, again, all props to Jeff Foxworthy. I'm not trying to break copyright, but man, I hope you can use that, Angelica Marie, because you just (laughs) out of your soul just poured it out. So if you're listening, those are some great and real points she just made. So now people are pausing this podcast like, whoa, I need to reevaluate <laughs> so that we're waking some people up. How do you start the journey out of unconsciousness? How do you wake up and stir that soul and that mind? And, you know, it's like that slap in the face and that fr- refreshing water and jumping out of bed with electricity. How do you go from the dead to the living? Hmm. Yeah, so this is something that I like to call the self-care success journey. It's kind of modeled after the hero's journey in every story because you are the hero of your own story. That's the first thing you have to recognize and realize. You have the power to make every single choice in your life right now, today. Um, If you don't recognize that you're the main character of your story, of your life, then nothing's gonna work. So the first thing of you know the self-care journey is realizing the characters in your life right now that are contributing to your unconsciousness. Um, so this is again, if you are in an unfulfilling or chaotic or tumultuous relationship, if you lack boundaries with your boss, your coworkers, people in your family, if the if yourself, if your own ego, if yourself is someone that's very detrimental to your own journey, if you're your own worst enemy, whether that's through a harmful self-image that you may have, prioritizing your work over your own well-being, your family over your own well-being, you are not selfish. If you prioritize yourself over your family, prioritizing yourself and then your family is actually to the benefit of your family. 
So once you recognize those characters, you'll be able to see why you've been placing them in your life. What, what stories are they contributing to your fear-based stories? And I found, I'd like to say Napoleon Hill, the, the six universal fears. Um, I think this is a good place to start off because there, there's so many things you can do, but I, I like to start off with just talking about the six universal fears. Yeah. And just to, I'm not saying solve everybody's problems right now, yeah, yeah. but what I'm saying is a lot of listeners have connected with you for this hour and they're like, okay, where do I start? We're just mm -hmm. given a starting point. They can mm -hmm. always reach out to you. They can reach to other people, but we're just trying to give them something to run and work with because we have a great community who's looking mm -hmm. to grow and then mm -hmm. they want to help other people with the healing. So mm -hmm. this is just your suggestive tips to start growing. What worked for you that can help mm -hmm. them also? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I just, I also want to note too, I have, you know, in terms of like my whole framework, I do have a free assessment that you can take on the Omekwa website, and it gives you five tips for your core self-care pillar, whether that's body, mind, or spirit, and what you can do right now to start like developing that and reacquainting you with you. But I think the one thing that I really want to share, you know, right now is just realizing that whatever difficulties you're facing in your life right now, they are a manifestation of a fear that you're holding on to literally every single thing in your life. The six universal fears, fear of death, fear of old age, fear of illness, fear of the loss of someone's love, fear of criticism, and, oh, fear, fear of poverty. That's a huge one. If you're burnt out, look at fear of poverty. That was one of my big ones. So when you recognize what, which one of those fears or various ones of those fears you're holding on to, you'll then be able to realize that they should have no power over you. Once you look something in the face and you say, I don't need to hold on to you, you don't need to fuel me in my life anymore, that's when the healing begins. Yeah, excellent advice and a lot of truth. And we'll put a link to that quiz on your website in the show notes under the resources mentioned. And then Napoleon Hill, some people have never heard of Napoleon Hill, like the dictator and other people like I know Napoleon Hill. Well, what book did that come out of that he wrote? The law of success, the law of success. Okay. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes too. If somebody wants to check it out on Amazon. Well, we've covered a lot of ground and kind of circled that same issue. So between your birth and today, is there anything we missed, Angelica Marie, that you want to cover or share with our audience before we get to where you are today and where you're heading so we can help you get there? Mm. <laughs> if you're watching, that was a beautiful face. I guess the biggest thing is that at my core, I'm, I'm a singer. I write. I, I, that's how I tell my stories. The, the, the wisdom, if you feel like I've imparted wisdom to you right now, the best way I share that, yes, I can just talk it out. And I, and I love conversations like this, but I think the most impactful way for me to do it and the way I've been hiding from myself 
is through through song, through story. So that's that's my next stage, y'all. That's what I'm what I'm doing right now. Awesome, and so that's kind of where you are headed. So right now you're running your organization and your company. You're helping people along the way, and you're looking to get into a career of full time songwriting and performance. Correct. Yes. Cool. Is there anything we can do to help you get there? I think the biggest thing is when I start sharing my because I want to start sharing it primarily probably on Instagram. I have a very tumultuous relationship with the platform <laughs> just because <laughs> of how hard it is to grow an audience, how hard it is to be authentic and share things that make people think rather than just consume. Because I, I want to, I genuinely want to develop true relationships with people and social media is the prevailing way to do that. It's just engage back with me. Once I start sharing, I'm, I'm rebuilding and, and creating the content that I want to share with you on a consistent basis. So it's going to take some time before I launch, but yeah, you can, you can help me by just engaging with me, sharing with me what, what you need from me. How can I improve and help you improve? Yeah. Excellent. So what's the best way for our, we have listeners in over a hundred countries around the globe, but pretty active in about 65, 70 countries. What's the best way they can reach out and connect with you? What's your, you know, Instagram, your Facebook, your LinkedIn, whatever platforms you use. We'll put all these links in the show notes, but what's the best way to reach you? Yes. Base, best way to reach me is on Instagram. I am Angelica always. Angelica with two N's. So A-N-N-G-E-L-I-C-A always. Also for all my French and Parisian listeners out there, I am moving to France at the end of the year. Please DM me. I want, I want to make new friends. I love meeting people if you're, if you're based out there. Yeah. Now, as a father, that just made me cringe inside. I'm thinking abduction, <laughs> but <laughs> hopefully you'll vet out all these Meet in people. a public place, yes. Yes, yes. And with guys like me watching you from the back with guns. So we'll be totally protecting you. But anyways, so it's been great having you on the show today, Angelica Marie. You truly are a remarkable woman. And thank you for being so transparent with your life and your struggles and also the steps you took to overcome this. Listeners, we love you reach out to Angelica Marie. If I can help you, let me know. If you are anywhere in the world, there's always people to help, even though it doesn't seem that way and feel that way. So again, reach out, look for people who are solid, qualified, have a history of success, not just the name badge. Because ready, Angelica Marie, what do you call a doctor that graduates first in his class? What do you call him, David? A doctor. What do you call a doctor that graduates last in his class? A vet? A doctor. There's no difference between the first and the last. So just because there's a doctor or a, pharm a pharmacist out there or a psychiatrist out there, it doesn't mean they're good at what they do. Because frankly, you and I could do the same job if we put enough time into it. Mm -hmm. So find people who are qualified, who care, who have a God biblically centered worldview, and they're there to help you not just get another BMW payment. So that's my little disclaimer there. So thank you for being on the show. We really appreciate you to our listeners. 
wish you the best. We'll see you in the next episode. And Angelica Marie, thank you again for being here today. Thanks so much, David. All right. Ciao. The Remarkable People Podcast. Check it out. The Remarkable People Podcast. Listen. Do. Repeat. For life.